Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. Nah, 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 come on! On this episode of the Heat Check. Oh no, oh no, 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 no. Things in Blazerland have gone from very bad to potentially catastrophic as Dame now remains out uh, for an indefinite period of time. Just might miss the whole fucking season, folks. Uh, We also get into Atlanta's dismal start and why that's put them on the verge of a massive roster change and we have our weekly update on the ben simmons sweepstakes which is now a reoccurring segment lastly the top players under 25 that you would want to build around go ahead drop that beat And let me tell you, as a Blazers fan, as a Dame fan, it's probably the worst case scenario short of Dame being traded, breaking news. Dame is out, and it's probably going to be for the rest of the season. It's probably, I mean, definitely for a long time, but probably for the rest of the season. But this story, to me, signals one of two things, because there's a lot of um, piranhas in the water. And they are feasting on the Damian Lillard injury news and turning it in and spinning it out. And it's all this different stuff about what the Blazers should do, what the Blazers are doing currently. To me, this is about what's going on with Dame health-wise and what the value of Dame is, not only to the world, to the basketball community, but the Portland Trailblazers franchise going forward, right? First and foremost, as we've been saying, Dame has been suffering an abdominal issue for years. Turns out, did a little deep dive, this is a total uh, side story, did a little deep dive into Damian Lillard's Instagram and consulted a couple of people in the physical therapy space, people who are training elite athletes. Turns out, Dame kind of hired a trainer that brought this on himself, like, A lot of the exercises he was doing aren't great for the core. Uh, So this is an injury that was uh, self-inflicted based on overtraining, overuse, and improper form. We can talk about that at a different time. But breaking news, folks, like this has been coming. He's been using this guy in Portland. Him, CJ, Nurk, Anthony Simons all using the same guy. And they're all doing primarily twisting motions with weight and a lot of boxing. 
a lot of boxing. I don't know what the transferable skills are with boxing training, but like no one's hitting you in your abdomen to try to burst your spleen open, folks. Like not a transferable sport. I know it's good for cross training, but you don't need to build your abs up like that. So now he's been dealing with this abdominal tendinopathy. I don't know exactly what that means, but I know it's not good. Apparently, these, upon little Wikipedia research, little tears in the tendons caused by excessive use of the abs, a.k.a. this training routine, right? And then you dunk, and then you get hit, and then you do all these other things in the basketball floor, and you're already put in a bad spot from the training. Boom, boom, shake the room. Now you've got a, a reoccurring injury. Overexertion, basically. And he's been dealing with this, like he said, for years. So surgery now, because he's been resting and it's not getting better, apparently either he's not really recovering or he's continuing to train on, I don't know, I'm not aware, but surgery now looks like the most likely possibility for Dame at this point. And if the team was a real contender, maybe he would thug it out like he's been doing and then test it out again in a few, few weeks maybe. But this team's trash, dumpster fire, vomit, peace. Like a little rolled, like you walk down the sidewalk and you see a flattened rat. Like that's basically what the Blazers are right now. We are flattened, dead little mouse. So (laughs) recovery for this surgery right now is at least six weeks just to get back to normal activity. To play like actually professional basketball, what I was told, so don't be like, oh, Tristy, you're lying, you're making things up. Like, I was told this three months. It's a bad, bad deal. The surgery component takes you out the game. they, They literally slice open your abdominal wall and then they lace you up with sutures inside and outside. Not only the they lace up the ligaments suture those up then they have to suture up your abdominal wall folks doing anything requires your abs that is going to be ask a woman who's had a c-section how she feels how long that recovery time was it's a long time so that should shut him down for the year which means what if you're shutting damian lillard down for the year you have resigned yourself to tank it is the paolo bancaro sweepstakes folks the jabari smith extravaganza The Chet Holmgren, don't do it, though. Don't do it, Blazers. No Chet Holmgren. I don't care if he's the next Kevin Durant. Big men and Blazers don't go together. Never. Don't do it. But they could be Oklahoma City Thunder level bad. Top five draft pick bad. And then, okay, so if you are then a tanking team with a star like Dame who's been sidelined for the rest of the year, Are you going to take that pick and use that pick with a 30-something-year-old point guard? Or are you going to try to trade that pick for something like Ben Simmons or somebody else that could help Dame along his journey? Well, people like Hollinger, John Hollinger and other journalistic people are saying, no, no, folks, now is the time to fully implode. Now is the time to trade Dame on your own. Who cares what this is what they're saying? Who cares what Dame wants? Dame is never going to be as valuable as he is to your franchise now and who knows if Dame next offseason wants a massive extension and then you have to pay him until he's in his 40s, hundreds of millions of dollars. Where does that get you then? And then does the next team want to take on a contract of Dame's size when he's well into his prime like his name is Homie from the Cardinals? What was his name? 
pool holes. And the Angels. Yes. Pool holes is not the ideal comp for Damian Lillard, I would say. So that is what people are saying is, okay, Dame Lillard, you don't want to pay him. His value's high now. He's not going to play. Blow it up. Trade him. You could probably get four first-round draft picks for him, plus some other pieces. Then you have your own first-rounder that you won't have to give to Chicago because it's lottery protected. You'd probably be in the lottery for a lot of years. A lot of years. You don't have to give that pick up for a while, right? Start fresh. Build around Anthony Simons and Jabari Smith. So let's say that was a smart idea because that's what's been floating around. I've been thinking about that concept. And I'm not ready to admit that that's a smart idea. But to those people who believe that there's any chance that Portland trades Dame, let me break it down to you like a small child while, why this will never happen. Let me just make it real simple for you, X is no style. Dollars and cents more likely the style. So Jody Allen, you may say to yourself, who's Jody Allen? Jody Allen is the sister of Paul Allen. Paul Allen was the former owner of the Portland Trailblazers. Rest in peace, Paul Allen. She's now the executor of his estate, and she's running, manning the shop until she can basically sell everything that Paul Allen's ever owned and pretty much give it all to charity, which is pretty much what the Blazers are right now, a charity case. So <laughs> it's an entertaining, some days, charity case. So until then, so J- Jody Allen is now mining the store, right, until after the new TV deal. So the Blazers just signed a four-year deal with Root Sports. 2021 is when they did it. It's a four-year deal. That deal expires 2025. She is not going to – she's told Root Sports she is not going to sell the team until she negotiates a new deal with a new TV in 2025. All right. So what is the one thing – say 2025 rolls around. What is the one thing that's going to kill the desire – to watch the Blazers. What's the one thing that kills the value of the next TV deal? Like Roots Sports from paying a boatload to their regional channel during prime time. You suck. You're a rebuilding franchise. No one wants to watch an an 82-game season of a franchise that sucks hard, that has no stars that you can even name. There's no Dane. There's no Nurk. No one that you even know. There's guys that might pan out in three years from now, plus Anthony Simons. Nice kid, but come on. No one's turning into root sports for Anthony Simons right now. If you're an unwatchable product, you're getting nothing. You're getting virtually no value from a TV regional contract. Be a team without a viable national superstar. That's how you end up being not as valuable to that TV contract. Okay, so if you can't get a huge TV deal, how valuable is your franchise really? Will a new owner be interested in paying top dollar for a franchise that can't even get revenue for a regional fucking TV deal in a city where no one has anything to do other than sit in the rain and watch basketball and they won't even watch your unwatchable product? I don't fucking think so. Because as of now, ask yourself, how much do you think the Blazers are worth at the moment? What do you think the, the Forbes says that they're worth? To me, I would think, uh 22nd. They are the 13th most valuable franchise in the NBA. That is stunning. 
Why? Because there's a bunch of people living in Portland, Oregon, who root for nothing but the Ducks, the Blazers, probably the Kraken. It's a little, little northwest conglomerate of sad folks with literally seasonal depression disorder, just watching sports, drinking their burr, sitting on the couch. And I tell you what, how valuable this franchise will be will change if there is no game time. No game time. Which is why not only will Damian Lillard not be traded unless he forces his way out, which I do not think he will do, I could basically bet my beating heart that Jody Allen this summer will pay Damian Lillard into his retirement age. She's like, I do not care. I'll pay you another five-year, six-year deal. Kick this can down the road. We'll deal with it when this new TV deal comes around. But they know at least Root Sports has Dame. He can shoot from 30 until he's 41 years old, I bet. Give him that max extension because he's due. So I guess the question is, you pointed out all these problems, Trista. What's the solution? Uh, What is a team to do with an aging superstar locked up for big money uh, until he probably retires? Oh, yeah, one with an injury history, significant injury history. Well, first and foremost, shutting Dame down for the season is probably a start. Tanking for Bancaro. Not a bad second move. They are at this point five wins away or five losses away from being the worst team in the NBA, having the most ping pong balls in the lottery. So just strive for greatness. Strive for that. Strive for the ping pong balls. And then what do you do? You get a big guard that can defend the perimeter, can play make, get into the pick and roll. If you can't get Ben Simmons with the sixth overall pick and maybe two to three future first-round picks and, like, C.J. McCollum and maybe something else. If you can't do that, then, I don't know, try to hire some of the talent evaluators out of Memphis or Atlanta or Golden State and then say, okay, take a hard look in the mirror. What is our identity here? Like, are we tough? Are we strong? Are we athletic? Are we unselfish? Who are we? And then find guys that the top of the draft for the next couple of years and in the mid-tiers, rest of the years, when you become a mediocre product again, like you have been, and find guys with value that fit into that identity. And then you don't need to worry about trying to, like, find a superstar to come to Portland, which will never happen besides Dame, right? Phoenix made it work. CP3 is 10 years older than Devin Booker. Devin Booker was a superstar on a team that was floundering, down the standings, contending for more lottery picks upon more lottery picks until they found their guy. Can Dame be a hybrid of CP3 and and Book? Like basically be on the team while the team sucks, know that help is coming at some point, and maybe just maybe you'll find another free agent that can take you over the top. I don't know. Convince Dame that that's the path, though. Hey, we're going to find guys that fit with you We're going to protect you. Find guys who can defend, because you can't. You won't. So we're going to find guys that can guard the perimeter, and then we're going to bring an interior defender in, guys that can playmate, guys that can score, and a bunch of guys that are gritty. Like, find a way to be the Memphis Grizzlies. Find a way. And in the meantime, I mean, it's dark times for for Rose City. Like, black roses all over the place, like dark ones. And this will most be almost without a doubt the worst Blazer team 
in modern memory. I think it's been many years since this team missed the playoffs. Trying to find a silver lining in this storm is pretty much the best that we Blazer fans can hope for. Pray for Dame to be shut down for the year and to get back to 100% ASAP. Oh, Atlanta, keep your head up. You were just in the Eastern Conference Finals like five, six months ago. But seriously, what the hell is going on there? I know this team started slow last year. I know I told the world I'm going to wait. I'm not going to panic. I know they don't look good right now, but they didn't look good last year. And I looked like an idiot when they were 13th in the East. And I was like, this team's trash. Nate McMillan, you're bad. Lloyd Pierce, you're even worse. This team's not going anywhere. Trey Young, who knows if you're really a franchise build-around kind of guy. John Collins, you're kind of being a bitch right now. <laughs> Evergreen tweet. Because um, that's kind of what's going on at the moment. But we're halfway through the season, and the Atlanta Hawks stand 12th in the East. Yet again, below 500. They were, like, I might remind you, two games away last year from the NBA Finals. Playing some of their best basketball in the NBA after All-Star break. And they brought back everyone. Travis Schlenk was like, listen, we're going to be an attractive destination for free agents. We're going to create culture. We've got depth. We've got a bunch of guys who are athletes. They brought back key pieces, Cliff Capella, John Collins, Kevin Herter, down to long ter- long-term contracts. And everybody expected this year, even myself, I, I think I said that they could be like a three-seed, four-seed. This was supposed to be their breakout year. You found yourself. You got to the Eastern Conference Finals. You were right there. Nate McMillan got extended. He brought everyone back. He now has continuity with these young guys. Trey was absolutely electric in the playoffs. The supporting cast was excellent. Kevin Herter became Kayvon Herter. Everybody's been getting healthier. Cam Reddish healthier. And instead, it's been a train wreck, to be honest. This team has not really been together pretty much at all this year as a complete team. And that could give you a little solace, like, oh, well, we haven't really been complete yet. But, like, You can't lose to bad teams with your star core in place like Trey, Collins, Capella. It is bad right now. They have lost to bad teams like the Portland Trailblazers. Like, you can't lose to the Portland Trailblazers. You got Trey Young being like apologizing to the fan base. It's so bad right now for Atlanta that Travis Schlenk, the GM of the Atlanta Hawks, just said, scathing, scathing, maybe... I made a mistake in bringing all the players back. This team currently, yeah, this team currently is 27th in defensive rating. And that is with Clint Capella at 108.2 with just outside the top 20 in the league. So everyone else, how god-awful do they have to be in order for you to be 27th in the league? I mean, I hate to bring the Portland Trailblazers up again, but... Folks, if we had Clint Capella, I think we'd be a little better than that. 
Um, and now new reports have been swirling again that uh, John Collins is uh, very unhappy with his situation in Atlanta. His stats have declined for three straight years. Uh, his usage has declined for three straight years. Shot attempts per game have, de- have decreased for three straight years, even though he is improving his offensive game. He has more bags of tricks, more tricks in the bag, and they just will not give him the ball. Nate McMillan even admitted, like, yeah, um, I don't run plays for John Collins. Like, what? Excuse me? You can't go out and say that. Things right now for the Hawks are not great. Recently, Shams reported Collins has challenged the locker room on multiple occasions to play team basketball and commit to one another this season. Oftentimes, Collins feels his voice goes unheard. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, he's not getting the ball, and they're not, they're just chucking a bunch of fucking chuckers out there. If you're a four, four or a five, and you have an offensive game, John Collins can hit threes now. He has some weapons now, and you got a chucker on your team like Trey Young? Hey, yo, Trey! Pass me the fucking ball, kid! What are you doing? What are you doing? A key, a key, get me the ball! And that's, like, been the, the rumor, right? Like, there was rumors last year that John Collins was frustrated with Trey. Like, this is just a roundabout way of saying, hey, listen, love Trey, great kid, tremendous leader, but, like, he needs to get me the ball. Like, I need the ball. And so things have to change. Kind of seems like, at this point, possibly John Collins might be on the move, on the move. To the point where now there are reputable sources saying that Collins might be traded. He is eligible to be traded on January 15th, which is the earliest time. That's just in, uh, that's in four days from now. Uh, <laughs> that's the earliest time that a player who just signs a max extension or an extension in the offseason can be traded. So this is the, the earliest available date. Cam Reddish apparently seems to be on his way out too. Terrible defender. Love his skill set. You can't put him in the backcourt, though, with Trey Young because those boys don't defend. And then John Collins and Clint Capella have to clean up all the mess. So to me, the question is, does this mean the Hawks are going to be in the Ben Simmons sweepstake? It sure seems so. Rumors just broke right before this recording that the Sixers are now bundling Tobias Harris with Ben Simmons in a package for Collins and Reddish. And I have zero idea how Hawks make that salary situation work. (laughs) But, hey, you know, you do you, Hawks. (laughs) Keep your eye, though, on the Hawks before the trade deadline because... Change gon' come. That much is sure. One for the money, yes sir, two for the show A couple of years ago, on Headland and the low What's the starter? Something good Where me and my Oh, speaking of Ben hood, Simmons This little nugget went out, didn't get much traction Probably because people are tired of talking about Ben Simmons And so, you know, things just come in, come out You're like, I'm not sure this is new news, old news But turns out, according to some sources the Sixers have currently given up hope 
that they will get a top 20 to 25 player in return for Ben. Thank God the peyote has worn worn off. And now their plan is what? Of course I trade him for less, right? That's got to be what the only workable solution could be. No, 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 no. They are planning to do whatever it takes to drag Ben Simmons out from his little warm honeymoon engagement love shack and pull him back onto the floor into the cold space of Philadelphia to play basketball for them. Excuse me, what? That's never going to happen. That is never. Let me just say this. It is a higher likelihood that I will suit up for the Philadelphia 76ers. Me, the person that Philly hates. I'm not sure who, who they hate more, truthfully. I think they probably hate Ben more than they hate me, and that's, that's saying something. Mark Stein reported this. For any delusional fan thinking that that could possibly happen, the Sixers continue to regard the hard-for-outsiders-to-fathom prospect. Yeah, no shit. That means reality. The hard-for-outsiders-to-fathom prospect of convincing Ben Simmons to come back to this team as their goal number one. That's their goal number one? According to a source familiar with Philadelphia's thinking, the source insisted to me, over the weekend, the Sixers have little to no hope of success if their intent is to let the dra- trade deadline pass without dealing Simmons and then try to lobby him to rejoin the squad for the season stretch run as well as the postseason. Sheesh. While still listed out uh, game after game for personal reasons while focusing on his mental health, Simmons is said to be holding firm on his pledge to never again wear the uniform of a team that selected him with the number one overall pick in the 2016 NBA draft. Yeah, I would say out of all the players in the NBA, Ben Simmons is probably number one player to hold a grudge, like a long-standing grudge. I think I've said this before on the show, but like Ben Simmons walked off an interview with me and never made eye contact again. Like he's one of those guys, you say one thing, Like, they were not only saying one thing, they were saying two things and three things. They were literally burying Ben under the rubble, and then they're now picking the rubble up off of Ben Simmons' dead, cold body and been like, hey, you want to play basketball for us? (laughs) The dude is just now getting his head back right. He's in a hopefully healthy relationship, about to get married to a pop star, thriving without basketball getting engaged, living his best life without the pressure of Philly fans booing him and telling him, you're a piece of shit, Ben. He doesn't have to hear that. You're a shitty guy. You suck. He never hears that. If he doesn't log on to Twitter and he just walks around in England, which is where I think he is right now, you never. people don't even know who Ben Simmons is over there. Come on now. So, yeah, folks, get it through your head. Ben is never playing again in Philadelphia. Had a man last year, life goes on Haven't let the thing lose, girl, it's so long You been inside, know you like to lay low I've been people what you bring to the table Bring to the table Yes, I have Who currently is the best young player under 25 to build your franchise around? So the website Hoops Hype ran a poll recently asking some of the top NBA executives to rank their top five players under the age of 25, they wanted to build their team around. 
uh, alert, alert, Ben Simmons, not on that list. Uh, <laughs> he would have been on that list last year, by the way. This is the second year that they've done this, so now we have some data to compare it to. Not shockingly, for the second year in a row now, Luca was voted number one to build your team around. Yeah, hmm. But unlike last year, he was not a consensus pick. Here is how the voting rounded out. Luca got 16 of 17 first place votes. Tatum lost half of the votes from last year, but still number two. Ja, huge jump from last year. He's now three. LaMelo is the only one who got the other number one first place vote. And Trey Young. Just outside the top five. Yeah, I know. Just outside the top five, Evan Mobley, Zion, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Ant Edwards, Bam Adebayo, and Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, what a... Like, there are some... Brandon Ingram is like... What's that movie? What's that movie where it was... um, It was like a cult movie, and uh, what's his name? Hold on one second. Just pause. What's that guy's name? God damn it. He's got that brother. Oh, dang it. He was in the End of the World movie. No. He uh, also got into some hot hot water for, like, fucking all of his students. Yes. James Franco played, uh, what's that movie called? Dang it. You know what I'm talking about. So he was in The Disaster. Yeah. So Ben Simmons, or excuse me, Brandon Ingram fans are, like, fans of the disaster artist. Like, it is a cult following, and they think that shit is the best movie in the world. But the disaster artist, I think, gets, like, 5.2 on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. And it's, like, this crazy movie about an aspiring film actor who meets this other guy in an acting class, and it's, like... All very meta. Right. All of that to say, like, n- not a popular uh, movie, not a, a, we'll call it mainstream. Like, but the people for Brandon Ingram think he's the next Kevin Durant boy. Like, they think he's KD. People, who, they're out there. They're, they're not that loud, but they exist. Like, for, for Brandon Ingram to make this list for top players under 25, you build your franchise around, shows me, Wow. Those GMs, they really are delusional. I bet it was Mitch Kupchak. Mm. I bet that's who it was who voted that because he drafted him, I think. A couple of interesting things to note, though, about these comments. Uh, The NBA execs left. First, Zion finishing at 7 probably might shock some people, but everyone, not surprisingly, worried about his health a little bit. Rightly so. Too high. One NBA exec said, don't know what to do with Zion. He'd be in the top three if I had any idea what was going on with his health. I have all the ideas what's going on with his health. Let me just tell you, Dr. Paging Dr. Crick, paging Dr. Crick, Zion's never going to be healthy again. Sorry. Another said, primarily his injury history scares me off, or he would be in the top five. So when I said earlier in the season that Zion was a problem and in the offseason as well and that folks should be worried about Zion's health, it turns out that... I am closer to an NBA GM than you, listener, than you. That's what I meant. Zion rehabbing in Portland, away from the team. Pels coach Willie Green saying he's more pessimistic than ever, as you could be, about Zion coming back. I'd say, yeah, Zion should not even be sniffing this list. Here are my top five under 25 to build a franchise around. 
Number one, it's going to shock some people. It's Jaw. Jaw? Jaw Morant? God, I love some Jaw Morant. Not only from a value standpoint, the value that he brings on the court, the things that he can do, but from a franchise, like he puts butts in the seats. So if I'm starting a franchise around him, I know I'm getting people coming in that door buying popcorn, buying tickets, season tickets to see Jaw. Like, did you see Jaw go up to the heavens and grab that ball out of nowhere? Like, I have never seen anything like that before. He is a uh, leader. He comes from humble beginnings. He had nothing. He wasn't recruited. People found him. The story is so tremendous. The only reason anyone found him was because there was two gyms in the school, and one scout was going from the Class A gym to try to find some snacks in the vending machine, and then they saw Jaw dunk on somebody like, who the fuck is this kid? The scout from Murray State found Jaw accidentally because he was looking for chips. That's where Jaw comes from. And... Although he's young, he's very mature. He doesn't let the outside noise get to him. I tried to pitch Jaw on like a on a video series about like doing rich things. It's called Rich Bitch. And Jaw's people were like, Jaw's not into that. Jaw doesn't want to do any rich things at all. Like he just wants to hoop and play video games and do his thing. Eat barbecue. Like that's that's Jaw. I'm like, oh, I like that. Sounds great. He's improved his three point percentage. By 25% this year, up to 40%. In the last 10, he's shooting 46% from three. His career number is 33. He's one of the league leaders, like I've said before many times, in points in the paint. His defense has become really good, especially in crunch time. He's getting steals, blocks, deflections. So I picked Jaw for every reason. Like, he is a playmaker. He can defend, he can shoot, and he can put butts in the fucking seats. Number one player for me to build a franchise around, regardless of his age. LaMelo is coming in at number two for me. 6'7", PG, point guard who loves to pass. One of the more true... I mean, he's wild. He's a wild boy, but he is young. Like, But he could be a true point guard at some point. He loves to make incredible dimes. One of the best court visions in the NBA. He just had like a go-ahead jumper with 15 seconds left to beat the defending champs, the Milwaukee Bucks, just two nights ago. Two nights before that, he beat the Bucks on his own floor again. That's against Giannis. Ice water in his veins. His demeanor's great. He loves hoops. He comes from, you know, a good... A good caliber basketball family as much as you could say one could have that and he's 6-7 to be a point guard at 6-7 he could be 6-9 this guy could turn into magic he is a superstar and he also sells a lot of tickets boy I build my franchise around guys who I know put butts in the seats and the rumor is LaMelo might grow another couple inches so love that love that love Melo number two on the list number three this is an interesting choice, but I like Shea. I like Shea Gelgis-Alexander. I think he's a very interesting player. He can play two. I like two-way guards. I like long guards. He's 6'6", six, 6'11", six, six, wingspan, so he can defend. He can shoot. He can play make, and he's got dog. All those guys have dog. I like some grittiness in you. You can't be soft. You got to take a body. You know what I mean? Allow Twitter to fuck you up and just 
live about it and talk about it for another day. You know, he needs to work on a more consistent shot, of course. Like, I think he's shooting the lowest of his career right now, but he's been hurt. He's been banged up. One of the best clutch scorers in the NBA, even though he's hurt. I think he's top seven on that list right now in clutch scoring. He's so good that Sam Presti gave him a max contract. That's all you need to know. Like, Sam Presti doesn't want to give anyone any money. He just wants to keep trading him and keep getting a million first-round draft picks for him. And you know what? He locked up Shea. Obviously, Sam Presti thinks he's the player to start a franchise with. Evan Mobley, number four. Seven-footer, does everything. His ceiling, his ceiling is Giannis. Pretty good, pretty good ceiling. I'm not saying he's there right now, but or even close to that right now. But you've got real journalists being like comparing and critiquing Evan Mobley to Tim Duncan in his rookie year. How good? That like it sounds like it's like oh like Evan Mobley. I don't know if he could be Tim Duncan. What are we talking about? He's 20. If if you get into the league and they're like not sure if he can be LeBron, like that's crazy. Did I mention he's 21 years old and he's a rookie? He can do everything. He can handle the rock at 7 feet tall. He can block 10 blocks a game if he wants to. He can stay in front of guards. He's not. He's quick. He's everything, like I said, James Wiseman was supposed to be. But he isn't. He's smart. He knows the game of basketball at a high level. He's a good passer, too. He can shoot the turnaround jumper. He can dive. He can screen. He's a little thin, but he's young. He's 21. He can put a little meat on his bones. You know, just tell him to spend the summer with Zion. <laughs> and Luca. Literally, it's Evan Mobley, Luca, and Zion. I bet it just rubs right off. I bet it rubs right off. Number five, <laughs> it's Aunt Edwards for me. There's just no player that's built like him who can do what he does. Like, he is a football player out there. He legitimately is one of the thickest, strongest, most explosive humans at 6'7", 6'8". He enjoys contact. Talk about a dog. He wants people to hit him when he goes down into the lane and into the paint and dunks on someone who's 7 feet tall and becomes a poster. Wantanabe. I didn't even know who Wantanabe was until he got Zion or uh, he got Aunt Edwards' nuts in his face. Just a leader. I think he's the most important player on the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. He's two guard that's strong, athletic. He's even taking on all the defensive responsibilities to guard the star and the opposing team. He just wants the ball in crucial moments, and he's so fun and. On top of that, you know he's selling tickets. You know his quotes. He is a brand. He's so pure, too. I love me some Aunt Edwards. I didn't take Luca. Maybe people are going to want to know why. Why do you think? He's fat. He's fat. He stays fat. He never is in shape. He's whining all the time. He's an ISO first point guard that can pass but doesn't really look to pass right away. I love him. But, like, guys in my 20s, I can't trust him, you know? Like, I know you're going to do me wrong at some point. You're going to spend the summer in Slovenia, and then you're going to end up with a torn MCL or something because you were hanging out with models, popping bottles, instead of in the gym. I need him to be more dedicated to professional basketball and having a professional basketball player's body. So, 
Tatum, people want to know why he's not in it. He's not a dog. He's like from the Kobe Bryant school. He's like if, if Kobe and Steph had a baby. Like, I'm just <laughs> ISO on me all the time. I am going to pass up a good drive for a 30-foot step back. That's Tatum all the time. He is so smooth. He can do anything with the ball. He can do anything shot-wise. His footwork is so good. He's such a nice guy. But, like, why do you why do you play basketball this way? I don't like his mentality and how he plays basketball. Sometimes he's very timid. Sometimes he makes it all about him. Sometimes you never get the ball back once you pass it his way. Right. He's very inconsistent. I don't like that. And and by the way, like the Celtics are building around Tatum, aren't they? How's that going? Right. Not well, and they have another all-star on the team in Jalen Brown. Stop it. Stop it. And they can't pass. None of these guys can pass. Ugh. Trey, Trey, he can pass. But he is another chucker, man. He is. He's a point guard in theory. He's the size of a point guard. But he brings the ball up. I guess that's the criterion for a point guard. Uh, And then he looks to shoot immediately. And I know you're going to say Trista. He loves to pass. He loves passing. He's leading the league right now in assists. And to that I say, I mean, you're lobbing the ball to Capella. Like, it's a lob to Capella, and it's literally the counter to your floater. Like, you really are looking for the floater first, and then once they try to, once they try to get knocked that down, then you just leave it, to the, leave it to the lob. Like, it's just really a way for you to score more. I love him. He's electric. Yes, he definitely sells tickets. He's fun. He's a terrible interview. I mean, I know that might mean, mean nothing to people who are evaluating a player to start a franchise with, but he's a terrible interview. One of the worst I've ever had. He had, and on top of that, like when when Trey Young scores a lot this year, at least they lose. They lose in four of his highest six scoring games this year, including fifty six. The Hawks have lost. They're five hundred when he scores under twenty, and uh, they're thirty three percent when he scores more than thirty. So I like Trey to watch. He's an electric player. I like his. I like his moxie. But I'm not building a fucking team around Trey Young. You're fucking smoking crack. No chance. So who is your top five player under 25 to build a franchise around? The criterion is not necessarily who is the best young player, but which you can build a winning franchise and ultimately a championship caliber franchise around and also make them dollars. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We will be back Friday morning early squirrely with a new episode. Please do not forget to follow, subscribe, download, and tell all the homies. Pour a little out for the homies. Uh, Every damn one of them. Follow us on social at at this Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. We will see you Friday early squirrely. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.